Good morning, Revelation Church. I'm Duncan, as the guys that just said, I lead the church. And today I want to share a message with you called He's Looking for Faith. And we're going to be in Genesis chapter 15 together. We're picking up the narrative of Abram, um, who we've looked at a little bit before as a church and kind of lived in the, the narrative of that as a family in some of our earlier days. And I actually want to, Abram, by the way, is Abraham, same person if you've not um, caught the name before, just gets his name switched a bit later by God. Um, and I, I actually want to pick up some of the threads of our story together as a family. Um, I know there's a number of people watching who maybe don't know where we've come from, don't know um, how we came into being, and just thought I'd, I'd bring um, some, of you with you, uh, some of you with us on that journey. Um, but also I want to look ahead today. I want to look ahead to this coming term that we have from September onwards and think about how would God have us thinking about that term, particularly in the midst of everything that's going on with church looking really differently. How should we be, what should our mindset be as we go into that term together? So let's get into it. Genesis chapter 15. I'm going to read from verse 1 through to verse 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring. And a member of my household, a member of my household, will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, for your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look towards heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And Abraham at this point is a very old man with a very old wife in terms of child rearing age. And so the idea of them having a son, which they haven't yet had and have, have been trying to, is one that he is struggling with. But God says, no, you are having, I'm going to give you a son. And back in Genesis chapter 12 is where we first meet Abraham and God picks him out of absolutely nowhere, out of obscurity, and says to him, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation, and you are going to have countless numbers of descendants. And again, to a man who has no children, and you're going to be so vast, you're going to need a giant chunk of land to live in. I'm going to give you that too. And quite simply, I am just going to bless you and bless you and bless you so that you can then pass that blessing on to others and be a blessing to all who you meet. And he says to Abraham, this isn't anything to do with you. You don't have to play a perfect game. You don't have to nail it. You don't have to be the most perfect guy or the most gifted guy. Actually, it doesn't matter about what you bring to the table at all. I, God, I'm going to make it all happen through you. Just watch what I will do through your life. And here we have, though, after these remarkable promises from God, three chapters on, and Abram's starting to doubt. Just listen to verses two and three again. God, Abram says this to God. He says, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. 
and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram says, behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household is going to be my heir. He's underlining, God, you still haven't given me a child. How can you make all of these other promises when you still haven't given me the beginning of this project? And the subtext is, is really Abraham saying, look, you said to me previously, and I quote, that my descendants are going to number the dusts, pieces of dust in this whole world. Currently, I am at zero descendants. There is still quite a way to go for this promise to come about. And Abraham is starting to lose confidence in what God has said. The time has now passed since the promise was, was first given and the initial flurry of excitement of God has said this and he's promised us this and he's leading us here. That's all starting to wane a little bit. And now Abraham is starting to think, but how on earth is this promise actually going to come about? I just can't see it. And as I mentioned at the beginning, Genesis chapter 12, where God initially calls Abraham, um, was very much a passage that we felt God spoke to us about in the early days of the church. In fact, even before we arrived here in Manchester, um, Hannah and I, my wife, we're, we're from a church in a Nottingham called Grace Church. And that's where, we, that's where we started. And it's there that we felt God call us and speak to us and say, I want you to go church planting. I want you to go and start a church like Grace Church as part of our overall vision and mission as a, as a family of churches and come to Manchester and start a church. And we felt him speak to us through the Genesis 12 narrative of, oh, I'm going to pluck you out. It's not really at all about your gifting or your ability or, or what you bring to the table, but I'm going to get hold of you and I'm going to get hold of anybody that's part of that church. And through that church, I'm going to make it into something great. Not, not in terms of numbers necessarily, but in terms of make it into a church that's able to bless and serve the city of Manchester. And, and so when we turned up in Manchester after following that calling, so we arrived uh, two years ago, um, pretty much not, not quite to the day, just a little bit less than, a little bit more than two, probably two years and two weeks, I think we're currently at, something like that. And... We arrived in, as we're driving down the A50, these are the kinds of things you're thinking, it's like God's called us, he's, he's, he wants, he's going to get hold of us and, and make us into something far greater than we could ever make ourselves into. He's going to build his church through us and we're going to be a church that serves the city of Manchester. These are all of the things you're dreaming of. But then I remember after the removal van had left, I came into this room, this living room I'm sat in right now in our home where we started the church and we were due to start the church and just thinking, forget being a city centre church that can serve this city. How do you even get just one person to come along? How do you even, I just, I just want one person. Like, how do you meet them? Where are they going to come from? How do you build a church? And I kind of found myself here in Genesis chapter 15, just like Abraham, that I'd, I'd moved on to, but I just can't see how this is going to happen. And I think this probably all of us have been in this place before, that I think it's one of the most common places, but actually one of the most challenging places that we can find ourselves in as believers, that we know that God is promising us this. He's calling us into this, but we find ourselves here. And not only do we find ourselves here, but it feels like God's not doing anything really 
to move us along to here. And this just seems so far off. And actually, as time goes on and as reality sets in, this seems more and more unlikely as time goes on. And we think, God, what are you doing? I just, I can't see how you're going to bring this about. I can't, I can't, I just can't see it, God. And we can find ourselves, just like Abraham, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of doubt. And it can be so easy to start losing confidence in God. But listen to what God says in verses four and five. He says, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son will be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said, look towards the heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, so shall your offspring be. And what God does here is that he, he restates the promise. Slightly different language, but essentially just says the same thing. And we might think, oh, but surely God, you could have given a little bit more to Abram at this point. Maybe you could have just started to nail down a few timelines, just give him a little bit of this is what you can look forward to, start to, you know, put some of the steps of the strategic plan in place so that Abraham can just have a bit of an understanding of where this whole thing is going. But essentially, all he does is just restate the promise to Abraham. He's saying to him that even though it looks more impossible than ever before, even though you are starting to lose confidence in this plan, I'm not losing confidence. I'm still going to make it happen. And in restating the promise again for Abraham, this is, this is assurance for Abraham. Because what, is, what God is saying to Abraham in restating the promise is he's saying, you are still right on track for this. You are still just in the right place to step into all of these promised things that I've put in front of you. You might, it might not be working to the timeline that you think, but these promises are still coming. You're still in the right place. How often do we think when we're not seeing progress, when things aren't quite happening in the way that we want, when we can find ourselves getting frustrated and we think we have gone wrong, that somehow we have, we must have gone astray at some point. And, and because of us going astray, we're now missing out. And the reason that we're not over here and we're still stuck over here is, is because the promise is being removed for some, some reason. But here God in restating it and reaffirming it is saying, no, it's still happening. It's, it's a reminder for Abraham that this is not about you. I am going to make this happen. And it's a reminder for Abraham that there is, there's just no way that these plans and these promises can be frustrated. He's saying there is nothing that is going to stand in the way of these promises coming about. No change in circumstances, nothing that you might do. I am the, the sovereign God who has spoken these things into being. And because I have spoken, because I have breathed, they will come to pass. Not one little bit of the promise that God had made to Abraham had, had leaked out or gone anywhere. And I again remember back to our time as we started that, that somehow 
as we started to flyer people, as we knocked on a few doors, as we went out into the streets and did a bit of evangelism and just invited people to church, somehow, some way, God started to grow us as a church, and and we started to see uh, we started to see progress, and gradually this room started to grow uh, with people, and uh, over probably the it must have been about a nine month journey from September through to uh, I don't know about April or May. Uh, 2019 this would have been. We were gathering on a Sunday, just having people here in our home for a lunch, bit of Bible teaching, um, about 30 people in our living room, which uh, you can't see the, the full size of this living room, but in any living room, that is a lot of people and a bit of a squeeze. And so we we realised that it was God's invitation now for us and his encouragement to, to get out of our house and to move into a venue where um, where we now meet in, in Birch Community Centre in Fallowfield and we started there in September 2019 so just over just under a year ago we started meeting there every Sunday and he continued the momentum that we'd kept up and we we saw students start to join us um, or continue to join us and uh, and we started to grow we started to attract all kinds of different people um, and but it wasn't just a story of growth and numbers growing but but we saw God's, God's hand moving through powerful healings of people. We saw people getting baptised. And it was essentially, it felt like we were just a group of people who were just seeing the promises of God coming about through, uh, through having kind of just said yes to him. The church was on the move. But then, of course, March this year, bam, pandemic strikes, church not shut down, but goes online and starts to look really different. And it feels like all of our momentum just goes. And it feels like we come to another moment just like this, where you lose, you could lose confidence in God. You think, God, what are you doing? How, this is not part of the plan. How on earth are you going to fulfill the promises that you've got for us? How on earth are you going to make us into the church that you said you're going to make us into in the midst of a global pandemic? How are you going to take us forward as we're having to to meet online with all of the challenges that that presents? But here, God just restates the promises to Abraham. And I believe that that's what he'd want to do with us as well. He would just want to restate the promises that he's spoken over us. He'd want us to hear the words, no, you're still right on track. That despite the many reasons you can look around yourself as a church and think, uh, there's uncertainty, there's doubt, how on earth is this this ever going to happen? It seems even more, in many ways it does seem even more impossible that we will become the church that he's called us to be than when we first started right at the beginning. How do you do it through being online? But God will want us to know, even though it seems even more impossible. He says, no, I've spoken it into being. I've breathed it into being. I've called you. Of course it's going to happen. And look then in verse 6 how Abram responds to this. It says this, and he, this is Abram, and Abram believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness and I guess the word believe that we see here um, we don't maybe get the full weight of it in in our English translation but this is a significant word that that the, the Bible is using here it's a it's it's a word 
I guess the word trust would be better, but essentially what it is saying is that Abraham decided to place the whole entire weight of his confidence onto God. He just said to God, I fully and totally trust you and believe, and I'm a bit like a, a, a mountain climber. I've got zero experience with mountain climbing, but when you're kind of, you're jumping from one rock to another, and you need to know that that rock is going to be safe and trustworthy when you land on it with the full weight of your being. It's a bit like that Abraham kind of thrusting and leaping himself onto the rock of his God and saying, I completely trust you. That's what this, this verb is saying. That's what the word means, that he just thrust himself into God and said, I believe in you, God. It's powerful stuff. Because remember, nothing actually here materially has changed at all. His wife, Sarah, elderly woman, she's not become pregnant. So that hasn't changed. He hasn't received any more new information from God. Nothing has changed. But he's just heard God restate the promise. And his response is, he chooses to respond by saying, God, I choose to believe you. I choose faith. The commentators say that verse 6 is a, a pivotal verse in the Abraham story. That from this point, all of the promises that God has called over Abraham's life and over his descendants' life, from this point on, they start to come into being. They start to, to flourish. They start to come to the fore. And just a couple of chapters on, we see Sarah get pregnant miraculously in her old age. And we, we get a bit of a hint of that in, in verse 6 at the end where it says, And God counted it to him as righteousness. Abram believed and God counted it to him as righteousness. And there's many, many things going on here. It's one of those verses that's just loaded with significance and truth. But one of the things that it's saying is that in Abraham choosing to exercise faith, choosing to believe, it's almost that is his entry point into this covenant faith, faithful relationship that he's now going to have with God. And his entry point into seeing all of these vast promises that God has spoken over him actually starting to come into fruition, that he would enjoy them. It's him entering into God's righteousness, the place where all of the blessings and the promises take place. And what we see here in Abraham's life is that, and his response, is that God loves, God just loves to work through people, to bless people and to accomplish his sovereign purposes through people who choose to exercise faith. He loves to see his people respond in faith, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of doubt and, and, and even fear. And thinking, I have no idea how this is going to work out. I can't see how the, the steps that need to take place in order to get me so far off does that promise seem. But people who choose to say, but despite all of that, God, I choose to believe. I'm in, I'm going to throw the full weight of my confidence onto you and believe that you will do it in a way that, that takes my breath away. And he loves to see his people respond in that and he loves to, to work through people who do that. That he, he loves to work through people in the UK, in, in Manchester, in his kingdom, 
to bring that about. That God is looking for people who will respond in faith, who will choose. Actually, I'm going to respond in faith. I'm going to choose to believe that God is actually going to do something that I can't see how he's going to do it. But I believe he'll find a way. And we see this throughout the gospel. We see Jesus regularly celebrating people and commending them for their faith, for their, their choice to believe in him and to, to, to believe that he was something different to what everybody else said that he was. For We even see him one time marvelling at someone who has faith. And just think, what does God marvel at? Well, he marvels at someone who shows extraordinary faith who chooses to believe in him. And I think that there is an opportunity for us here. I think as we stand on the, the precipice of this coming term from September onwards, and we look out to what is it gonna look like for us? There is so many reasons to be doubtful, so many reasons to be uncertain about what this is gonna look like. But I think there is an opportunity for us to respond here in faith. Because I think we are gonna need faith for this next chapter together. I don't think there's really any other way of, of looking at it. These next few months for, for us as a church, for any church, they are very, very uncertain. The government was previously using language just a few weeks ago of, of oh, by Christmas things will be returning across the country to normality or something looking like normality. But much more recently, they've been saying things like, well, we've kind of reached the limits of lockdown easing which they've shown that they're kind of prioritising the economy and things like that, that churches are quite a way down the list in terms of priorities. I think that it's unlikely that we're going to see some radical shifts in how churches are able to meet. And of course, there's so much uncertainty about when this will, the whole thing will come to an end and what that might look like. We are going to need faith. We're going to need to choose faith in order to see it through in this time. It's very easy for us to, in this time, start to, to think, surely this calls the, the promises of God into question. Surely there's no way he can continue what he started with us through this. That at the very best, we might think, oh, we're just going to have to wait until it's over. We're just going to have to faithfully cling on and just wait for this, this storm to pass. But I think God would, would want us to be looking into this next term with slightly different eyes with a slightly different perspective and actually be thinking maybe even in the midst of all of this he can continue to work he can continue to do the great work that he started amongst us we might think how on earth are we ever going to reach students we can't get out on oxford road and start handing out flyers and meeting them and inviting them to church well it would look very very different but I think he wants us to, to choose faith and to think that, that even though we won't be able to meet them in the same way, that we will still get connection with students in a meaningful way where we are able to bring them into us as a, as a community, as a family. We can be the home that they'll be looking for and we can help them grow in God and they can partner with us in all that God's called us to do. That we might think of outreach and think we can't get out on the streets. We can't go and talk to people about Jesus. We can't share some of the, the things that we might, might have for them in order to help them. We can't pray for healing to happen. How can God's spirit move if we can't lay the hands, hands on people to see healing? But again, I think he'd want us to choose faith and, and say, 
maybe he will help us find ways to, to, to find the lost. Maybe they will find us. And maybe we'll be able to share the gospel and his spirit will move in, in very different ways. We might think about how can we be family together? We can't meet in large gatherings. It, it's, it's not what we have known so far. How will the rich community that we've had so far continue? I believe again he'd want us to choose faith and just think maybe he will open up creative ways that we will be able to still have this and be pouring out his spirit on us in a way that just supernaturally by his spirit binds us and bonds us together in ways that we just never expected. I believe that he is calling us to follow Abram in his response of faith. To God. And I think as we exercise faith in the midst of uncertainty, just as Abraham then saw his 90 year old wife conceive and give birth to his child, I believe that we will see as we choose faith and we believe God, I, I, you, can, you can work even in these circumstances to grow your church, to build your church. I believe that we will see miraculous surprising things happen in our midst that we just never would have thought of we'll see the faithfulness of god come that as we respond in faith we'll see him continue to be good to him to us his people and so i think our response to this is is this to say to god I am going to choose, I'm going to choose once again to put the full weight of my confidence into you. As we head into September together, this new term, I choose to put everything that I've got into you, God. It looks so different to what I thought it would, but I'm going to continue to faithfully follow you. For you, your situation through lockdown might have been one that feels a lot like loss, maybe lost jobs, lost loved ones pressures at home, family, on marriages, and you think, God, why have you allowed these things to happen? And you're maybe even kind of, your confidence in God has been shaken. I believe he's just saying to you again, no, no, come back, put all of your confidence in me. Maybe you found yourself just kind of drifting and checking out of online church, and <laughs> listen, I get it, like, online church is it's harder and it's not, as, it's not as fulfilling, it's not as satisfying. But despite those things, again, I think God's encouragement to us would be to be like Abraham and to say, God, I'm, I'm going to choose to faithfully commit myself to you. I'm going to choose to commit myself to your church. I'm going to continue to commit myself to building your church, even though it is a very different thing to what I am used to. Maybe you found yourself in the mindset of, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait until things are, are back on track. I'm going to wait until things are, uh, are back to normal and then we can get on with the things that God's called us into. And again, maybe this is just God's encouragement to you of, of no, maybe look forward with eyes of faith. Maybe look forward to think, actually, I think there is opportunity here. I think that from September onwards, there's going to be so many things that we can step into. I'm going to believe that God is going to be on the move. And that is going to look so different to when we're able to meet in, people, in person. But I'm going to be looking for signs of God on the move and I'm going to celebrate them and pray for more.
Because our faith will never put us to shame. As we exercise faith together, it will never put us to shame. It is through this faith that we continually enter into this covenantal relationship with God, just as Abraham did. It's a covenant that that God initiates here with Abraham, but it's a, a covenant that is then truly sealed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now a covenant that through his blood we also are able to enter into. This covenant of righteousness, this promise of goodness from God. This is a promise that he has made now with his people. A promise that when we draw near to him through faith, not only will he save us forevermore, not only will he wash us clean of our sins and bring us into his, to his presence, not only will he connect us with a, a deep and rich and meaningful relationship with our Father in heaven, to know personally God himself, not only those things, But here on earth, until his work is done, the promise that he makes is that he will work through and use his people, his his very broken, very flawed, lacking in so many things, people just like us. He will use those people as they draw near to him in faith to work out his perfect purposes here on earth. And he wants to achieve the promises that he has given us even throughout this pandemic, even through online church, even through doing church on a screen. And that is the promise that we stand on. That's the promise that gives us life, that he is going to make it happen. Whatever the the medium, whatever the mode, however we're meeting, he is going to continue his plans. He is going to make his promises come to pass. He has much in store for us in this term ahead. The, the, as much as I have also battled with doubt and uncertainty, the more I pray, the more I come to him, the more I am just steadfast in, I have faith for us as a family. He has so much ahead in store for us. And I believe he's got so much ahead for us, even in this term. Even as we try and connect with new people I believe he wants to surprise us, he wants to encourage us and he wants to strengthen us as we continue together. Let's be a people that respond to him and follow him in faith for however long this lasts and even after we come out of lockdown together. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for our story together. We thank you that you have called us to be a a people who reach this city, who are able to bless Manchester and it looks so different now. How do we do it? How do we bless Manchester? How do we how do we find people to to share the gospel with all of these questions? We we have so many questions. We have so much uncertainty at this time. But Father, we say we choose faith. And I pray for 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 anybody here who who just feels like I need to use this moment to exercise faith once again to choose to throw the whole weight of my confidence onto God. I pray would you draw near to them now, Holy Spirit. Would you strengthen their being and would you give them the courage to say yes to you again? I pray for that same courage for all of us. I pray now for 
faith to rise in our hearts, but also a, a courage and a boldness to say yes to you. And I pray for a resilience to keep going in this particularly difficult time, to keep going with online church, to keep going with you as things look so different to what we were used to. We know you're still continuing your work and we trust your good and perfect promises over us as a family and over your kingdom as a whole. We love you, Father. Amen.